actually recording on my MixPre 3.2 also. Oh, that sounds... I don't know what that does, but it sounds nice. It's an audio... It's a USB audio interface. And it has a built-in SD card. Oh, cool. Um, well, I shouldn't say built-in SD. It has a built-in SD card slot. The sure. card itself comes out. It's not built in. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, what, it's what you would call, Rob, a field recorder. Wow. And it's fancy. It's from a company called Sound Devices. I can hook up like four microphones to it, which is kind of useless since I pretty much just talking to this thing by myself but it has the benefit of USB-C in and the ability in some limited fashion to hook up to an iPad Pro and record podcasts from an iPad Pro but the downside is that you have to talk over the iPad Pro's microphone to the person on the Skype call which means that if you're recording the Skype call for backup you have a an inferior, despite what Apple says about the internal microphones of the iPad, you have an inferior Skype recording for your backup because those iPad microphones are not necessarily studio quality. No. As Apple would want you to hope for. <laughs> they are not as good as real dedicated microphones and other audio equipment. They are very good, especially if you're just like chatting with somebody over FaceTime, but they're not uh, for making recordings. So anyway... This, yes, this is my newest piece of kit, as they say, in the UK. And uh, I wrote about it on Mac Stories not too long ago. Nice. I will, I'll dig up the link for the show notes. I've got a new chair. It's terrible. It's just a Ooh. little folding chair. I just needed something oh, that no. folded away. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have only a little folding chair? You, need to, you, you deserve better. Well, I, I have a dedicated podcasting desk, which I don't use, except when we record this one podcast every two weeks. <laughs> So right, I didn't I really want to go and buy like a you know a really fancy chair just for sitting on it for like an hour every two well, weeks. I get that. <laughs> I lived that I lived that way for a very long time. Now I sit at this desk for so many hours every week that I did finally get the fancy chair in January, and I'm glad I have it. But I don't know. I am one of those. I have certain things that I'm willing to spend lots of money on, which is mostly tech gear and you know any kind of electronics and game consoles and things like that. But chairs, that doesn't fall into that category. So it took me a very long time to pull the trigger. I'm very glad that I have it since I, I use it a lot. But it wasn't something that I really wanted to buy. But it, it it's good. Some sort of steel case chair for what it's worth. It's fancy. Yeah, I don't really know. I forget the name of it. But it's it, it was fancy. I mean, it's, it's comfortable. It's a chair. It's the job you sit in it. That's... Yeah, <laughs> it is. It has the little arm things move around. I can lean back. You know, it's got it's got features functionality good good I'll yeah. pop, pop that in a review uh it's a chair i can sit in it it's got features done features and functionality rob don't forget the functionality well, I'm a fan of always, functionality. functionality is always a good word to use when you've used feature too many times mm. in a review well, there that's, you go. that's what we call an insider's look <laughs> at writing <laughs> app reviews perfect so, um, functionality is like is a, is a good synonym for features <laughs> So there's a whole bunch of delayed games, which we'll get to, but I think the Halo delay might be the most embarrassing one for Microsoft. Oh, well, the game itself, I would argue, is kind of embarrassing too, because as we talked about before, I turned on that, I turned on that live stream and I was like, is it the stream or do these graphics just look really bad? 
Yeah, I mean, and I think the reaction from most people was it just didn't look that good compared to some of the other you know first party games that have been teased for both the Xbox and the PS5. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, as you say, it, it didn't look very good to begin with. Um, but it's kind of weird that the Xbox is is going to be launching with sort of basically no first party like system seller games, right? Right. No, and I, I like, I, I was saw the day this kind of broke on Twitter. I was reading a lot of, I was reading the thread beneath and all the replies beneath the announcement. And first of all, there's some very good memes, um, including that that weird like spaceman ape looking guy is like become. I think they the the internet has dubbed him, named him Craig. And uh, there's some very good memes out there that you should check out, but. I think it was lost on a lot of people the significance of this in a way because you know you get of course every time a game is delayed you get the the Miyamoto quote about how you know you only get to launch a game once and a game delayed is, yeah. is better than a game released or whatever it happens to be and it's like yeah true true except when you're using it to launch your new hardware right it's like this was the marquee game for the Xbox right and to not to not have that on day 1 is a big deal because they're, they're sure there will be other games. And I also saw a lot of indie developers got upset because it's like, well, what about us? It's like, well, yes, <laughs> your games are there too, but people are buying a new Xbox because of things like Halo, because that is just, it's a huge franchise with a huge fan base. And, and to not have that on day one is really going to hurt their sales, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Sony's not completely immune to this like death loop has been delayed but i don't right death loop was a cool looking game and it was part of the sort of you know launch video thing they did but i don't think death loop is necessarily what's going to sell consoles like it's a nice addition but it's not you know if if the announcement right. was like spider-man miles morales has been delayed well then yeah okay then maybe sony was got a problem um but just not having halo is like and especially at the moment, you know, the last few years, because Microsoft don't have a lot of exclusives that, I mean, you know, exclusive doesn't even really mean anything anymore for the Xbox, because obviously you have the PC and Game Pass and stuff like that. But, right. you know, Halo is really, really important to try and sell these consoles. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and, you know, I mean, I I did also see some stories about, hey, well, you know, each time new hardware comes out, there hasn't always been a really solid lineup of first-party games when new hardware comes out. And I guess that's true based on what I read. But, you know, having already kind of put Halo at the center months ago for this launch, I do think it hurts. And I, this is one of those things where I always wonder whether it's better to jump in and buy one of these consoles right at the beginning when they're first released or wait a year because it really does take a solid year for people to for you know for developers to really get their teeth into these new systems and figure out how to really push them and it's usually like a year plus before we see the very best games for a system start coming out and that first year can be a little thin. And given the, you know, given the investment in terms of how much these things cost, yeah, it can be, I mean, it, it may be worth waiting. I don't know what I'm going to do at this point, really. I mean, I still don't have a, even have a 4K TV. So I, on one level, it's like, well, how are these dominoes going to fall? Am I going to get 
a PS5 and just live with non-4K for a while? Am I going to get a new TV but then feel like I don't want to spend the money on the console? I'm not really sure. I don't really – I really don't – given the current economic environment of the world, I don't see myself buying a 4K TV and a high-end PS5 all at once. It's just not probably going to happen. No. So I have I, to kind of figure out where I'm going with this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you're definitely right. I think, like, if you can, if you're not that bothered about getting it on launch for, you know, a specific game or something like that, yeah, I mean, always wait a year because, you know, even right. if the games are no better, you know, let's imagine in 12 months the games are exactly the same in terms of quality, but you've got a better choice of games. Uh, you know, you, you've got a year's right. worth of releases that you can pick from because. You know, you buy one of these at launch, you've probably got like one game you can play. Um, you know, the PS5's obviously got the advantage that it's the... Well, I think the Xbox does as well. Like, because they're backwards compatible, it's a little bit better because you've got, you know, got the entirety of the PS4 catalogue that you could play if necessary or if, you know, if there's games that you want to play. Um, but yeah, I I think this is a really big blow for the, the whatever the hell the new console... What is it even called? The Series X? Is that it? I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not even the, sure the I knew Xbox what it was called. Xbox sex, basically. That's it. Is what they were calling it. Because we had the X-Bone, and now we have the, the, the Xbox sex or something like that. Um, yes. Anyway, it is a big blow to the Xbox, I think. I wasn't really planning on getting an Xbox anyway, so it doesn't really bother me that much. I think if I really end up kind of upgrading my systems i will probably just get a 4k tv first and wait because i'm still really happy with the switch and you know what's interesting about the switch is it has it's the exact opposite when the switch came out there were really good games there was breath of the wild right and then mario odyssey was like hot on its heels and there were there were a bunch of uh really good games month after month for a long time now the switch 2 is hitting a bit of a lull and i think it's all part of this what we're seeing now is now that we've been kind of living through this global pandemic since, you know, February, March, we're starting to see games get delayed on a pretty regular basis. Both this, there's, I was just reading about how there's a bit of a gap in the Switch lineup for a while in terms of big releases. Now, they just did an Indie World showcase where Nintendo showed off a bunch of their indie games, including a two-player mode coming, I think, later in September for Untitled Goose Game. That looked pretty good. Most of those games didn't really do anything for me. The one that caught my eye, though, was A Short Hike, which is like a $7 game. It's, it's, uh, it's been out for a while on other platforms, but it's just new to the Switch as of yesterday. It came out kind of day and date with that, with that, uh, that Indie World Direct that Nintendo did. And I, I downloaded it this morning. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, I'm actually planning to play it a fair amount tonight because I'm hoping that I'll like it and that it will be my Max Stories Unwind pick for this Friday's episode of that. So you'll, I guess you'll find out on Friday if, in fact, I liked it or not. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, that game and Paper Mario are the two that I've bought most recently on the Switch, and I'm perfectly content just playing the games I have on the Switch right now. Yeah, I mean, if it, if I'll be honest, if Spider Man Miles Morales wasn't one of the launch titles for the PS Five, yeah, I'd probably be less. You know, I've sold my PS Four now. I'm like, no, I've sold it. I'm waiting for the PS Five. Um, 
but like if it wasn't for that game i'd probably be doing what you said and just waiting a year and you know i've still got my switch i've got my xbox um you know which i've been playing now i've got rid of my ps4 i'm like oh yeah i remember the xbox that had games um (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting and you know like paper mario is one of those games that i i kind of really love because it's just pretty easy and it's a good casual game to pick up for a little bit here and there you don't have to sink long hours into it at one time and you can leave it alone for a couple of weeks and come back and still remember kind of what you were doing and how it all works and it's it's just got great uh art fun little soundtrack and easy mechanics and puzzles that uh give you know give you an opportunity to explore that world and that kind of interesting 2d 3d kind of environment and i've you know i've not played it a ton but i've had it for a few weeks and it's kind of my unwind at the end of the day game after i've done with a busy day i like to sit back and play that one a lot and i think i'm gonna do the same thing with a short hike just kind of make that my slot that in in between but then go back to paper mario because i think a short hike is a game that you can might from the reviews i've read it it seems to be the sort of game where you can reach the final objective relatively quickly, but that there's a lot of areas that you can explore along the way. So that that tends lately to be the kind of games I've been enjoying where it's just kind of a laid back, do it at your own pace, eventually get there at whatever speed you think you want to do and, and, and play that way, which I don't know, it's just kind of a, a more chill summer kind of gaming environment, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. There's definitely something nice about you know games like Untitled Goose Game and you know just these sort of not stu- stupid is sort of derogatory. I don't mean it in that way, but like you know they're just fun. You know there's not there's not loads of action and shooting. You can just sort of chill out and just play it. And you know there's a cute little bird in this one. So like, yeah, right? You know, <laughs> of course, this is great. I might buy it tonight to be honest. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of game too that is like, well, it it's seven dollars, and the I think I got it a little bit over six because I had some Nintendo points, but uh, but yeah, it's it's no more really than a good game on iOS for that, and it's I don't know, I I think it'll probably be better than most iOS games since iOS games may be going away, Rob. I mean, I don't know, given the what, <laughs> the, the, the fight that Apple has decided to pick with the gaming industry, it'll be inter- interesting to see what happens to gaming on iOS in the future. Yeah, there's a game, I think it's a fairly indie game. You might not have heard of it. It's a Fortnite. I'm just checking my notes. I think it's called Fortnite. Oh. Um, you might have heard of it. <laughs> that's N-I-G-H-T, right? I, I think that's how you spell it. Uh, yeah, I think I spelled it wrong. Something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the Boomer Show, Rob. <laughs> this is becoming the Boomer Gaming Show. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, yes, I, I am joking. Like, I, I've I've played Fortnite. Um, I didn't like it because I was terrible at it. Um. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, it's one of those games that you know you just you're like, oh wait, which control do I do to shoot? And by the time you figure it out, someone has cornered you and and you're dead. Yeah, and there's like there's like people building stuff, and I'm like, oh god, this is too complicated for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard on iOS because the controls are on screen. Although I think if I remember right, they added they did add controller support at some point, and they also added like 60 frames per second. I think um, I actually have followed. Fortnite pretty care closely on Mac stories over the m- very many months because back when the uh, the App Store turned ten, I did a big 
feature on gaming on iOS at 10 years. And at the time, I came away really kind of pessimistic about the future of gaming because I've always kind of felt like Apple fell in backwards into a gold mine with gaming on iOS where, oh, wow, all of a sudden they have all this money from in-app purchases and they're perfectly content to keep raking that in um, to the detriment of what I think could be a real kind of first-party platform for gaming because the, the chips and the graphics and every, everything in things like the iPad Pro and the high-end uh, iPhones are designed in a way to have really good game experiences. Now, you know, you may need to use a controller or something. Not every game is suited to touch, but the hardware power is there to run really heavy-duty games but Apple's never really been, despite you know a lot of those demos. We see that we used to see those demos, and Epic used to be you know the center of those of, of those demos because uh, I don't know if you remember Infinity Blade, but Infinity Blade was an Epic game, right? Infinity huh. Blade One, Infinity Blade Two, those were always the center of attention at some of these yeah. games. And I went looking for the. It's interesting. I went looking for them after this dust up, and Infinity Blade One and Two. Development stopped on them in late 2018, and I thought it was because they were 32-bit and they weren't going to make the leap to 64. It seems like they timed their announcement of uh, ending ending support for those games to coincide with the switch to 64, but it was really just a convenient time to do it since so many games were going away, and, and they just kind of hid in the pack because uh, I've been told by readers that those games still work if you download them if you had bought them before and you re-download them and try to play them on a modern on a modern device so those games are gone not for sale at least but they are re-downloadable if you had them before the only thing left from epic on the store now that Fortnite has been pulled and i guess we should probably get into the the fight but the only thing left are iMessage stickers for Infinity Blade, which they left on the store. Oh, so you're and happy. I downloaded those <laughs> because I want to use them quite quite a bit in the next, now it's got to be nine days, before Apple pulls their developer certificate. Yeah. So I will send you some stickers right now. Thank you. Um, where's my yeah. phone? How does that work? Oh, actually, I'm at a computer. Of course I am. You know, oh, the, well, you know. The magic you, of you technology. You're the Big Sur right now. Right. I am not running Big Sur. Uh, oh, you should be. You should be. I've got my right, phone in front you. of me. I just sent you a, a demon saying lol. Excellent. All right. Uh, I don't have I any got st- one more for you. I don't think I have any All sticker right, packs. Anyway. This is not good podcasting entertainment. <laughs> me sending you iMessage stickers. <laughs> so, you know, lots of people have gone pretty deep into this, like, upgrade this week. I think they went, like, 45 minutes, maybe, or an hour on this. So, like, we're not going to go that long. So, it's, like, longer yeah. than any of our episodes have ever been. Um, do you think this is going to change anything? Um, hmm. Do I think it was change anything? Well, I think Epic will back down and take the in-app purchase out of their, out of the game. So it'll change that. I'm not sure it's going to, and it may, it's going to bring additional pressure to bear on Apple that I think is less likely to play out in private lawsuits between it and companies like Epic and more likely to result in the hammer being brought down on them by, you know, EU uh, antitrust regulators and U.S. antitrust regulators. I think that's more likely in the long run. And I don't think part of the problem with all these 
issues. And of course, you know, the story is Fortnite actually snuck in their own in-app purchase system into an update to the game that they turned on remotely after the game had been approved by app review. That's a clear violation of the rules. There's no like, there's no gray area on that. They just, they just out and out violated the app guidelines. Apple pulled the game because that's what they do when someone violates the mm-hmm. app review guidelines most of the time. There have obviously been all kinds of different exceptions over the years. But they had the right to do it. They pulled it. And then immediately Epic had obviously done this as a way to push an issue so that they could then file a lawsuit, which they did in federal court in the United States in California, accusing Apple of anti-competitive behavior, which I'm not going to comment on that yet. But that's what they did. They filed a lawsuit. And they created a, a good parody video, a very good par- parody video in my mind, <laughs> of the 1984 commercial when the Mac was introduced to the world, where in the original commercial there was a woman who runs down, you know, in a dystopian world, she runs down an aisle where these people are seated in gray uniforms watching some sort of dictator, authoritarian-type person talking to them on a screen. She runs down and, she th- and she's in an Apple uh, like an Apple tank top, and she throws a hammer and smashes the screen, and that's kind of the, you know, uh, the Mac's going to f- liberate your minds or or whatever it is. So that was the original ad. They did the same thing, but with one of the Fortnite characters and smashing a talking head that was had an apple for a head. For a head. <laughs> so that was kind of cute. But it was obviously all very carefully orchestrated. And in the time since then, I guess Epic has also sued Google, because Google's a little different where you do have the opportunity to sideload games on Android, but uh, you can't, if you do it through the Google Play Store, as I understand it, you can't do your own in-app you know, purchasing system either, just like Apple. There was one interesting part of this on Google, which I didn't realize. You, you can have your own in-app purchase system, but not if you're a game, which is a weird distinction. Right. Yes. That is a very good point to make because I am not an expert on Android and I do, do think you're right about that. So yes, you can't do it as if you're a game, which is interesting. I assume to me, to me that's just like Google, like Apple, just likes that sweet, sweet in-app purchase money, right? And right, of course. So they're not willing to give that up there uh, because that's where I think the vast majority of in-app purchase money is spent. At least I know that's true on, on iOS and I assume it's true for Android as well. In any event... So Google got sued too, and then most recently Apple has basically said to Epic, unless you f- change your what you're doing, we are going to revoke your developer credentials on August 28th, which is next Friday, I believe. And that's a big deal. That's, that means not only can they not sell anything in the store, which, as I said, right now they don't have much on there. I mean, obviously Fortnite was on there. But uh, at the moment, it's, I think, just those iMessage stickers. But if they don't have the ability to develop on the platform, that also means they can't develop the Epic game engine for other games. Because, you know, Epic not only makes games, they also make the tools to make games. And those tools require, uh, require a developer account for Apple, you know, Apple development. Mm. And as I understand it, that means that anybody who's built a game with the Epic Engine is at risk 
of their game not getting or th- that engine not getting updated going forward, which puts them in a pretty tight spot, which is not not a ton as many games as something like Unity on iOS, but it's still a lot of people. Plus, there's the Mac, and the Mac uses the Unreal Engine here and there too. So game developers do. So it's it's kind of a huge mess. Yeah, it it all you know even when you're saying it, it's like. I know why they're doing it, and I, you know, Apple can do with a kick in as much as any big company. To be honest, I don't, I don't you know, right. I don't, I don't feel any sympathy for any of these big companies, if I'm honest. Um, but you know, I, I can't, I find it hard to believe that Fortnite won't be back in the store by the end of next week. You know, b- before this deadline, because they're not, you know, they've done what they've done. If they take out the in-app purchase thing that they've done and go back on the store, that doesn't invalidate their you know, their lawsuit or their, you know, their claim in court or whatever, they can still do that. Um, You know, I think whatever you think of their arguments, those arguments would still stand regardless of what they do now. Um, And and to the question I asked you, I'm I'm not, like you say, I think it's only, it's going to come down to the regulators, you know, the EU, the US, whatever, you know, other countries equivalent, um, you know, governing bodies or whatever, and, and until that happens, you know, nobody's going to back down, and Apple is just going to carry on doing what they're doing. Right. I, I think that's that's true, and I think there is a pretty easy path out of this next week, which is uh, Epic and Apple go to court, and the courthouse steps they will settle because one of the things about big companies and lawsuits is that once you walk into the courtroom and you're in front of a judge, you have relinquished control of your future to a random person sitting behind a bench who doesn't understand software. It's never going to happen. They will (laughs) settle it. And (laughs) that's just how it works with big companies like that. They're not willing to take that risk. And and I think that that is a threat uh, to both sides of this as well. And it's easy to solve, right? Because what they're really... A big part of what they're arguing about, at least in the short term, is whether Epic has to pay the full 30% uh, to Apple for being in the App Store, whether those in-app coins or whatever they are that they're selling have to give a a 30% cut to Apple. And they can very easily take their own in-app purchase, which was cheaper, they can take it out of the game, they can take the 30% that they would have to pay Apple for the next however many months it takes to do this lawsuit, and they can put it aside in like a, in an escrow. And I know Ben Thompson talked about this on Dithering just, I think it was today uh, or yesterday. And they can put it in escrow, and whoever wins gets the money. It's just, I mean, because all we're talking about when we're talking about selling in-app purchases is money, and money is a very easy thing to to deal with in court and in a lawsuit you just put it aside and these companies are big they'll be okay if they don't get their third apple you know apple's not gonna go out of business for not getting their 30 percent for six months and epic can put aside that money too and whoever wins will get that money now there are bigger issues like can epic you know can epic develop its own app store within ios and that's kind of where they really seem to be going with this Mm. and that's a bigger issue and that really gets to the heart not of just the money issue but of whether apple is acting anti-competitively and here is where as a former lawyer i am going to tell you 
not to listen to anybody who talks about antitrust <laughs> who is not an antitrust lawyer because it's a super complicated part of the law that nobody really knows a lot about unless they're an antitrust expert, and I am not one, so I'm not going to tell you what I think about whether this Apple's acting anti-competitively. I think it's part of what this story drives me crazy is that there are a lot of people talking about antitrust who don't have any business doing that and talking about lawsuits who don't have any business doing that. And there's more to this story than just the anti-competitiveness anyway. It's like, sure, there's, did Apple break the law? And if they did, they should be held to account for that. On the other hand, there's, is Apple doing business in a way that makes sense and that they should? It's more of a, it's more of a moral issue than anything else. It's like, yeah. you know, they're, they're perfectly allowed to, as a private company, to charge 30% to developers but should they you know are they really providing that kind of value and and if they still are able to do it is it because they've got power that that you know allows them to do that that they shouldn't have those are really hard questions um and i know people have a lot of strong feelings about them i do too but it it's probably easiest for mo- for most of this to separate out anti-competitive stuff which is kind of a governmental regulatory issue anyway, and think about whether it makes sense that 30 per, is 30% the right number. Is Apple treating some developers differently than others, and should they be? You know, there's, there's a lot of hard questions on all sides of that, and all you have to do is be around developers for as long as I have listening to their gripes about Apple. There are definitely trouble spots there that Apple ought to address because at the end of the day... You know, their platforms aren't any good if they don't have good software on them. And that's that's where they may be heading if they, you know, if they don't if they don't at least keep the developers somewhat happy. Yeah. I mean, and to what you you know, antitrust you know, in the U.S., in the U.K., the EU, Australia, for example, you know, China or anywhere. I guess the problem is as well as obviously this specific case is being filed in California. So that's under U.S. law. But like. The EU regulators looking into this is, it's not even really a law issue. They're more looking at it and going, are we just going to allow this or not? It's not even about whether anyone's broken the law or not. So like, you still get all these variations between countries or, you know, the EU in this case, which is, you know, it is what it is. It's like, you know, huge bunch of different countries. But, you know, and and if this happens, you know, hypothetically, let's assume Epic get everything they want in the US. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that that spreads throughout the whole world. You know, it could just be that the U.S. market get a completely different version of the App Store than than the rest of us do. Right, exactly. And and what's and what's I guess what's most important about this is that it's coming to a head, and it's going to be a problem for Apple regardless because it's now on everybody's radar. It's on private companies' radars who have the wherewithal, like Epic, to bring their own lawsuit. It's on governmental regulators' radar, and I mean, you know what? Who doesn't like to bash a big company? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Rightly or wrongly, you can get a lot of <laughs> mileage out of you know bringing bringing uh, bringing a big company like Apple to heel on on some sort of issue. It's it it's popular with with your voters. And one of the things that's interesting about this in the United States is that the United States has both antitrust laws that are enforced by the government. But it also has ones like the reason this epic lawsuit is also antitrust is because there are private causes of action that can be brought by individual companies. And this is brought both under federal law and state law. 
And those are really, those aren't brought a lot because they're really complicated, <laughs> expensive to litigate, and very rarely go anywhere long term because governments tend to step in and regulate instead. So to, to a degree, I feel like this is like a show by Epic. I mean, maybe they, they have some legitimate gripes, I think. On the other hand, I, I kind of feel like both of them deserve each other. Uh, it really shouldn't have come to the point where Epic and Apple are fighting in public about this. They are, you know, these are big companies. They should try to work it out. We're really just talking about money at the end of the day. So they ought to be able to figure it out. Instead, what's going to happen, and I, I, you know, this is the game of chicken that's played at these, these levels. Epic called their bluff, filed a lawsuit, and it probably makes it more likely than not now that both the U.S. and the EU and other places uh, regulate them, which you know, is going to be difficult. I mean, we saw that with Microsoft way back in the 90s, and it was a, it was a big mess, and it was hard on Microsoft for a lot of years. So, you know, it, Apple, I feel like, is starting to lose control of all this, and that's not good for them. Uh, I'm not sure if it's really great for most developers either. I mean, I don't feel like Epic's gripes in a lot of ways are relevant to most developers other than I think a lot of developers would agree that 30% is a lot, you know, mm. but, but what's really going on here is Epic wants to run their own store and that's a whole different thing, which I'm not so sure that Epic should be able to run their own store. I think that that's, that's a really interesting question and we'll, we'll have to see how that plays yeah. out. I'm not sure how I feel about that one, to be honest. Uh, uh, let's let it go. Why not? Who cares? No, I, I, I do agree with you. I don't know. What would that even look like? I mean, I say what would it look like? We have it on the Mac, but I guess because right. you know the iOS is so different because it, it's been locked down since the beginning that the idea of a, a, a second app store it just seems really weird, I guess. It seems weirder than it would... You know, on the Mac or on PC, you have Steam, you've got Epic's Game Store. I'm sure, you know, Rockstar have their own launcher. I'm sure there are other ones. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, I think kind of that one of the things that one of the ways out of this and that might appease government regulators is to allow sideloading. And, you know, Apple would have to develop a sideloading implementation that was safe and secure and that others like Epic could use without it becoming too burdensome on just average consumers. There's a lot of benefit from the fact that iOS is so locked down. I mean, I know that it bothers a lot of people too, but it, it does it it is a security model that works. And if it's gonna if that sandboxing, if there's if they're gonna poke that big of a hole in the sandbox, um, you know, it it better be a, a a very safe hole that's poked because <laughs> it could really make it could really lead to a lot of things that make for headaches on iOS the same kind of headaches that we we find ourselves with with uh, desktop operating systems whether it's you know Windows or the Mac or or even the year of Linux I hear it's the year of Linux Rob oh it's coming then you then you worry twenty twenty one baby <laughs> and on that on that note. Because um, uh, <laughs> I think you know, I think both of us are you know we we got thoughts and feelings. I don't really care in the grand scheme of things, but you know, it, it's, I, don't I think really it's care an, that much either. I think this it's is an one interesting of those stories that everybody thing. Everybody expects 
like me or Federico or whoever to have like a strong opinion on it. And I kind of do in a way. Mostly I just find it an annoying story that it, it drives me crazy as someone who understands like how the legal process works to listen to to all the hot takes more more so than normally. So I, I mostly just stay away from it. I was like, yeah. You know, it'll go like every lawsuit I ever was ever involved in where it was like, yeah, these big companies, they'll make a lot of, they'll issue a lot of press releases. They'll do a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff. And then they'll go to court on a particular day and you'll hear in the newspaper the next day that it's like, oh yeah, that, that whole, that whole thing. Yeah. They figured it out. Are you suggesting I shouldn't get legal advice from random people on Twitter? Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably, it's probably best, Rob. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to note that down now so I don't forget. (laughs) <laughs> all right don't forget that that's that's my top tip for today perfect cool well uh yeah i guess we, you know maybe we'll see like i say my bet is they're going to be back on the store by next week um so i guess next time we record we can talk about it i guess maybe we might be fed up with it by then yeah yeah we'll see i mean i definitely worth checking in and seeing if it's back on the store because yeah it'll be it'll next time we record it'll be like days after so yeah cool all right well uh Yeah, well, uh, I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks then. All right, sounds good. Talk to you later, Rob. Bye.